On today's episode, I spoke with Deandra Escobar about content flywheels and video content growth. If you don't know her, Deandra is a top content marketing voice on LinkedIn and is currently growing community and sales at Contact Studios. So let's dive right into the episode. So if you wouldn't mind just talking briefly about your career so far in marketing, kind of what you've worked on, and specifically right now, what you're focusing a lot of your attention on lately. Okay, this is um, a pretty fun question and also a very difficult one because every single time they tell you to talk about yourself, that's the hardest part. It's like, oh my God, do I go all poetic and be like, oh, I am made of all the people that I have experienced or do I talk about more career? But on this side, I'll say I was an SDR at a med tech company in Paris. Um, I passed from, let's say, more med tech to a little bit more focused on um, customer advocacy. And I was also an SDR. So I've been an SDR. I was an SDR for two years. Um, and then I did this pivot, let's say, in my career, which was to go full on marketing mode. And um, since six months ago, I've been the demand generation and community growth manager at Contact Studios. And my main focus is on our inbound marketing strategy. So when I joined Contact Studios, um, most of our clients were coming through referrals, actually. And we didn't really have um, a well put in place inbound marketing strategy, demand generation strategy. And something that has been really amazing and coming from a sales point of view is that I've been able to give it a huge focus around revenue um, because something that uh, I've noticed and working also, I have a huge background in a million things because I've been a million people in this life. And I was also a brand manager at a company that I founded actually in Colombia I, of eyelash extensions. And I've had a very close um, view on marketing, but also coming from the sales background, I was able to focus more all of our marketing efforts in revenue. So we don't want to focus our qualified leads because they just have one, they tick one or two boxes. Like we want them to actually tick all the boxes that we know that we can actually give them the right value and that they're actually leads that come in that have the potential of bringing revenue into the company. So. I think that's that's kind of like my the short form of how I focused how I went from sales to go into a little bit more into marketing and right now I'm I'm the demand generation and community growth manager at Context Studios. Yeah, I've I've seen throughout my career that's a powerful combination when you actually get a sales minded person coming into marketing to actually focusing on on numbers. Um, you you've talked about the value of having marketing channels in place that actually compound over time instead of just relying on one-off tactics that maybe work one time but aren't replicable, but things that can be relied on and compound over time. What are, what are some examples to you of things you've consistently been seeing actually repeatedly compound over time? So I love this question because I have a like very, very deep belief that the brands that thrive over the next 10 years are those that invest in marketing channels that compound, like you said, and provide leverage over time. What are two channels that compound and provide leverage over time? SEO and video. 
There are not only two of the highest ROI marketing channels out there, but they are also owned marketing assets that give brands massive leverage through audience growth and that actually compound every single month. They give the brand equity. And as well, it's a catalog of content that customers can forever get value from. How do you think about mixing those two strategies together? Um, with SEO and video, they obviously have their differences, but how can you bring them together to work effectively as one strategy? So that's a great question because a lot of people oversee that. And for example, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. Like normally people, when you're looking for something, you either go how to XYZ. What is the best CRM on Google? But you also do that. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast can actually catch themselves doing this a lot is go up to YouTube. So on YouTube, you also sometimes look um, HubSpot versus Salesforce, for example. And what is that? It's, it's a search engine. So that's how I can say it's like the perfect way to actually see, actually see how video and SEO can combine perfectly is giving it a, a day-to-day example that we usually search on either Google or on YouTube. The numbers are huge, actually. For, for the numbers of, of people that actually look into this channel that is pure video. And it's been there for a long, long, long time. But, so before, I want to dive into video a little bit specifically, but before we do that, keeping it a little bit broader with content, I want to talk through the, the idea of the content flywheel as, again, going back to a compounding channel, something that gives you benefit over and over and over and actually gets more valuable over time. How do you think about creating a content flywheel like what are what are the things that you look to put together to make it happen why is it valuable okay so think of it as content is like a sales team that never sleeps so content will work forever for a one-time investment content will always look good and reflects well on the brand content never gets sick or takes a vacation or shows up late content is always on message and content can close sales with multiple customers at once so content being this ultimate growth flywheel means you invest in once and it just compounds and creates this kind of growth flywheel. You get more revenue, you get more clients, you have more revenue to invest into better content and not only invest into better content, but actually in better research. Because that's one thing that a lot of companies um, get wrong is they want to get they want to do this huge quantity over quality. Let's just push push as, as much content as we can through all the channels. But yes, it is a growth flywheel, but it's not the type that more inputs means better outputs. It's better inputs, better outputs. And we like to say a lot of con at Contact, the world doesn't need more content. It needs better content. So having this in mind that why content is so important for companies Think of it as, okay, so how do I start this growth flywheel? I have to start with the most important step, which is research. You really, really need to understand your target audience and 
What do they want to hear from you? What is actually valuable for them? In demand generation, the two most important parts are trust and, and, and education. So you want to educate your buyer, your the person that will possibly buy or doesn't even know that they need you. And you also want to build trust. Like, I want to actually learn something from you and understand that I need something that you are offering. But I also want to be able to trust you that this that you are offering is actually valuable and it's actually something that is going to help me and my pain points. Let's dive into that idea of quality over quantity a little bit more as well. So if, if we're talking about creating video or SEO content, whatever it may be, what does better content actually look like? Um, or another way of saying this, you, you had mentioned if you want to build one of these compounding growth channels, then it has to, you know, it has to tick certain boxes. Well, what kind of content does it have to be to actually work that way where it gets customers on autopilot? So I wish I could just give you a straightforward answer and tell you this is the content that is going to boost your brand and it's going to give you a million qualified leads, which is what we wish in demand generation would be told to us that, that easily. But what I would tell brands is experiment with your content. Um, experimentation over crowdsourcing, I would say. Like, the truth is, yes, customer research is super important. Dialing down questions that are actually going to give you valuable res responses for you to create and iterate in your content to make it resonate for them. But the truth is also the audience doesn't actually know what they want until we give it to them, right? Um, there's this saying from Henry Ford uh, once that he said, like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So topic ideas, great content must be pulled from observation of other successful content or from original insights. So you need to consider each topic, for example, each platform, each creative concept that you're thinking um, as like a hypothesis to test. We never want to like directly ask your audience, what do you want to see and try to shortcut our way to success? This will eventually lead us down to a reactionary path. So it's it's hard because when you're in con your head of content, demand generation, when your whole world is around creating content, you have to find this perfect mix between getting enough audience research to make content that resonates, but also being able to have the ability and let's say a little bit of like the guts to, to, to do a little bit of hypothesis, to test out things, see if this will work, see if this resonates. And if it doesn't, let's iterate. Let's find what, what can we do better. So let, let's zero in on video a little bit more specifically as a piece of content. In your experience working with, with your company you're at now or what you've seen in the past or beyond, what are some common mistakes that you see brands making with their video strategy? So there's something that a lot of companies get wrong with videos, especially B2B videos, is they just make them hard to watch. Like, for real, like sometimes some B2B videos are just so hard to watch because they're not creating video content that uses 
retention tactics, which at the end of the day, what is a retention tactic? Tactic. It's just storytelling techniques. So there's something that I did a LinkedIn post about this and something that I recommend is this funny storytelling technique that's called the Pope and the Pool. So what this means is that explanation or expositions must be told in a package that is entertaining. There's a lot of examples out there, actually, of, of people doing video like this. For example, Supreme Loan Loans. Like, that is the most boring like topic you can ever search and try to understand. But they actually do it with Margaret Robbie in a bathtub while drinking champagne. Like, that is, it's genius. Or The Big Shore is a mo movie that's like filled with difficult to understand finance concepts. Jurassic Park explains DNA replication, taking their audience on a, on a roller coaster. So another way to think about this is people want their vegetables to taste like candy. We want things that are actually going to give us information, that are going to make us smarter. We want this, right? But we don't want it to taste like vegetable. We want it to taste like candy. So we actually want to think that our vegetables are candy. So I like to think about it that way. And it's something that a lot of, especially B2B uh, companies get wrong when creating video. So, so looking forward with video and, and other content even, how do you think that this evolves over the next few years? Um, because in the past year, we've already seen AI change a lot of things, and there's probably more technologies coming. What do you think content looks like in three to five years that's different from how it is now? So I think actually um, a lot of companies are understanding this, and you see it in companies, especially if you're active on LinkedIn, like Lavender, um, they make super fun content. Like you actually want to see it. You want to see the series they have. You follow the people that are behind these videos. Like everyone knows who the wills are because there's a bunch of wills in, in Lavender. So I feel like companies are understanding this. Um, it might not be as fast as, let's say, for example, I would wish it to be. But I think it's it's evolving and companies are understanding this. And especially... Um, where my main focus is, which is LinkedIn, you're seeing LinkedIn kind of like evolve from this professional network platform into more of a social media platform. And once it starts becoming more of a social media platform, it gives a little bit more of a focus on a person and on a consumer instead of like thinking of it as a big company. Like I'm trying to sell to a company. But what would, what is a company? Like if I think of Google, like, am I just thinking of a logo? No, there's people behind these companies that actually are looking at these videos and they're actually trying to get education and trying to find value from it. So I actually feel that it's it's evolving. And I, I hope that more and more brands, especially on LinkedIn, where is the world that I, let's say, manage the most and also YouTube, uh, they'll they'll get it. And I think they're getting it. So you brought up LinkedIn where you, you're pretty active and it's a channel that you obviously care about. So how, how do you think through all the things that we've talked about content-wise here, what content principles have you applied to your own LinkedIn growth that you could share with us? I love um, saying this because people 
hate the word cringe, right? So it's just like, it's cringe to think of the word cringe. But I say the strategy to success is being the cringiest possible. Now, hear me out. Yeah, you're not going to go do, let's say, dumb stuff out there and like make a fool out of yourself. But normally when you have to put yourself out there and you have to put your name on a post, like this post was created by Diandra Escobar, that that makes you feel cringe because it's like, who am I to be saying this? Or is is someone else that has five, 10 years more experience than I am going to see this and just think it's cringe? Like, what does this girl know? Why is she saying this? So I just tell people, if you want to start on LinkedIn, be okay with being weird, with feeling cringe, with feeling scared. Like, it's okay. And this this is not to say the famous phrase of just start, because I think that's horrible advice. Like, if you tell someone just start, like, okay, I wish it was that easy, then we'd all be just rock stars. You do need to make a little bit of research. You do need to understand a little bit, like, what's your objective on the platform? But at the end of the day, um, just put yourself out there and you're going to learn so much. You're going to get feedback. You're going to connect with people. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it's a social media platform and it's meant to, 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 to be social and to connect and to be yourself. Even if you're, if you're representing a brand, it's, it's still your, your platform. Last question here before we wrap up, um, in terms of marketing tools that you actually use, I'm sure on the content side, you've probably got a few that you keep coming back to. What, what are those marketing tools that if I took them away today, you would actually be really mad about it? Anything that um, is essential for my system. Why do I say system? I think the most important part of your content strategy is actually having a system in place. Because when you just have a goal, there's a famous phrase from this from the book Atomic Habits, which says, um, winners and losers have the same goals. So my goal can be I want to bring in five qualified leads. I want to become the next LinkedIn influencer. I want everyone in my company to become thought leaders on LinkedIn because that's going to help me boost demand generation from my side. But OK, yeah, that's my goal. But what am I going to do about that? So a system is actually having something that's going to flow and you're going to be able to be happy when your system is flowing. So let's say now going into the real question, because I went a little bit out there, um, things like as simple as Asana, Notion, Canva, those things that I use to make sure that I have a calendar in place and that I see that things are ticking, that I know that I send out to my designer and she knows exactly what to do, what um, label to put under so she understands if this is just an idea or this is in progress or she can grab it now to be able to create into a design. If I can have it ready to post our YouTube strategy, like any tool, let's say, for example, Asana, um, Airtable, Canva, like those things that actually are like the core of my system. I think if you take that away, then I'd just be like, now what? 